Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have an above average episode for you today. <laughs> now, here's the thing is usually I say we have a pretty good, but this I think this is going to be better than pretty good. Um, we've got a good friend of mine, Mike Burrows, is going to be on yes. the podcast later. And he's someone I really look up to. And there was a point in time Kay. where all I did is talk shit about Mike Burrows <laughs> and Stanceworks. He's the founder of Stanceworks. Right. Yeah, and, that's what um, I know him from. But there was a point in time where I changed my mind. So first you were talking shit and now you like him. I, I have for many, many years. And it was never I didn't really know Mike right. until I decided. I to, certainly don't. Until either. I decided I wrote an article called Why I'm Here and basically submitted that to Stanceworks. I'm like, you know what? I actually I'm starting to come around to what these guys are putting on their website, what they're doing, everything like that. So we're going to talk to Mike. He's going to be on the podcast. I've got lots of great questions for him. Um, he's basically uh, the, the custodian of Stance. I guess I would say is, is I like that. Yeah. So he's he's been around a really long time. Um, so uh, as an aside, can I ask you, was your um, you, you said you kind of did a 180 with Mike. Were you against stance works? Were you against stance I, as my, movement? Yes. But is that what it was? It was. I thought and and I'm still kind of right. But the thing is, is I saw stance works as the proprietor or the enabler of the stupid crap that people do to their cars right you know everybody wanted to live up to what mike was doing or what andrew was doing and what everybody else that was actually doing cool stuff and some of the cars on their website that were cool but they were doing it really poorly and i kind of like held Stanceworks responsible for that okay. it's kind of like having a kid that turns up to be a shitty kid like the kid is like misbehaves gets sent to detention stuff like okay. that and the first thing you do is you look at the parent and go hey what did you do why did, right. why did you send this kid to his room and like spank him when he was like seven so that's kind of how I, I saw stance works. But at some point I realized that, you know, you can't always control that. And you, they were trying to put out the best content they could. And uh, we'll talk to him about it. We'll get into Absolutely. that. We'll get into I a little bit of that. I will say, last point on that, you are wearing your stance works sweatshirt as an homage here. Our listeners can't see that. I wear this almost every week. <laughs> so you're just now noticing. Um, yeah, I've had this hoodie for a long time. Um, the other thing, I'm going to skip the what's been up with us this week in terms of our cars. Sure. And I want to get into, oh, later on this episode, okay. um, after Mike, I'm going to revisit the European Union decision to uh, basically uh, GPS limit and uh, the speed of your cars. Yeah, that's a big topic. So I actually went and did some research. Um, Mr. Producer did some research and we came and I came up with some some ideas and some um, some soothsaying, I guess I will. I'll, mm. I'll call it. So I, it's stay tuned for after the interview. That's uh, it's pretty good. I've got some insight on that. But first, what I want to talk about is sure. I am extremely frustrated with buying cars right now. Okay. Okay. So I spent the last week. I'm getting rid of the towel. I spent the last week looking for cars. Okay. So uh, I feel like you need to update okay. us. So you got rid of the Tahoe. Not well. It's going away tomorrow. Oh. Okay. okay so I'm trading it Good. in. I'm trading. What basically what's happening is the golf is going. Uh, my golf sport wagon is going away, and I'm wrapping the Tahoe up into the deal. Sure. Nobody cares. It's a station wagon. That's a diesel. <laughs> it's not that exciting. No. I just okay. That's interesting. So I got to find a car because then I don't. I don't have one. Which would right. be nice that I could have a car to drive around. So my budget's like less than ten thousand dollars. It's okay. kind of my my marker. So I'm looking around. Um, everything is rusty. Yep. It is a salvage title. Oof. It is um, automatic. Yep. Or it's some front wheel drive kind of box that I don't right. want because you want something interesting. I do. I want fun. something interesting. Yes. And so I first started nice. looking at a C36 or a C43 AMG. 
Now, this is like 1995 to 1999. It's the W202 chassis. And this is the first car that AMG did once they were brought under the roof of Mercedes. Sure, because they used to be an independent tuning firm. Yeah, so I guess Mercedes, in my guess, was like, oh, my God, this BMW Motorsport thing is out of control. We need to have something like that under our roof. So anyway, this car is the first. So the first car was a, the C36 was an inline six okay. and it's got like a different crank and I think different cams, stuff like that. It's like 275 horsepower. Okay. Cool. Cool motor. And then the C43 came out in the later nineties and that is the V8, which is the, it's a precursor to what ended up in the E55 AMG, which most people have heard of. Sure. Most people haven't heard of the C43 AMG. Yeah. They've I, only I made, I think they only made like 1,000 or 1,500 of them. Wow. Really, really rare, okay. but not super desirable, probably because nobody knows. And that's a 300 horsepower V8. So I'm like, hey, this could be cool. Absolutely. You know, it could be a cool daily driver. And they're small, you know, and 300 horsepower in a small car. So okay. rear wheel drive. It's got a limit slip. Yep. I mean, you look and, up and burnout best videos. Of all, it's a sedan. It's a sedan. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's got four doors, which is the way to go because it's way more useful <laughs> for me and my, my or my family and I. So I start looking at these cars. Okay. They're cheap. I mean, you can get anywhere from three thousand to twenty thousand. The most expensive one is twenty thousand dollars. Okay, it's got seventy thousand miles on it. All original, doesn't really need anything. Okay. And the cheap one is like it has rust. It looks like someone kicked the door every time they got in because right. they hated the car. Okay, so that's like the the breadth of cars. So I'm kind of calling around, and I'm just I'm getting tired of people. So I call. No. So I call one guy. He's got a red one for sale. <laughs> okay, which is rare. Oh, yeah, I'm sh- okay, yeah. It's the only one red one I've seen for sale yet. There's black, white, and red. Mercedes as a whole, you don't see many red cars. Yeah, you don't see many. So I called up, I, I sent the guy a text message. Um, what did, okay, it's, there's two separate stories here. I got to make sure that I get them right. There was so, one story that you involved me in, I believe. Yes, and we're going to get to that. Okay. Um, first one, though, is I sent the guy a message, and this is not the red one. This is a silver one. The guy wanted like $7,000, which okay. compared to some of the other ones was probably about two or $3,000 too high. Interesting. So just based on all the other ones that were for sale at the mileage okay. that he had, which I think was like 150,000 miles. And what's interesting is you as a buyer of a specific vehicle are probably more in the know of what the market is like than someone who says, right. well, I'm going to list my car. Yeah. This guy didn't go on Search Tempest, which exactly. is what I use. I look at every single city on Craigslist. I yeah. looked at eBay. I looked at everything. So I had a pretty good idea exactly. That's of what point. the market was. So I, I, I said, hey, man, I think you're... Uh, what, what, did you do anything to justify your price? Have you done any recent maintenance? Because, hey, who knows? Maybe it's got a rebuilt transmission. I'm sure. like, hey, you know, whatever's going on. He sends me back a voice message. Okay. And I probably should have gotten it ready and played it for you, but I was too excited to get on the podcast and talk, <laughs> talk about all this stuff. But it's like, yeah, uh, well, can you send me the links of the other ones you're talking about? And it was like some like deep voice. Dude totally sounded high. Okay. He sounded super high. <laughs> who sends a voice message back to a text message? It's weird. I Don't have do- known people that like doing that because it's easier than texting, but it is it's a, annoying. It, they're all weird people. I'll say it's that, annoying. that do that. This yeah. guy was annoying. So yeah. anyway, he sends it back to me. And I so I sent him like the couple of the links. I'm like, here you go. And he's like, yeah, my price is firm. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're pr- I said, dude, you're a little bit high. And he sends me a voice message back. Goes, I'm not high, man. I just have a deep voice. And and then he like started calling me a shithead and all this other stuff. Oh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this guy. I yeah. don't care anymore. So then I move on to the next guy. I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, man, is the car still available? And he's like, uh, I, what? Wow, what did he say? He's like, like, eat ass jerk off. It, I sold it two <laughs> days ago. 
And I'm just like, what? Whoa. You? And this I'm is like, the first time you've talked to this first guy. First time I talked to the guy. He sends me that. So then I start looking at other cars and I'm looking at an E34. Okay. Uh, 530, which is a V8. Yo. It's a small displacement V8. And then I'm also looking at a 535. Okay. Um, E34. Okay. These are early 90s BMW 5 series. So just right in the wheelhouse of the year range where everything's going to go wrong. Why would you say that? Because it's a what? 20 year old car. So I'm just saying these are very complex European cars that traditionally are not very let's, well let's maintained. Put, let's put complex in context here because every car made today oh, is know. more complex than that by miles. So one of the reasons why I want one of these older cars is it's got the proven inline six. Okay. You know, it's a, it's a very simple car to, to work on. They don't okay. need a lot of work. For some reason, the cooling system for BMWs has never been figured out, which I cannot, <laughs> cannot understand why they can't figure this out. So anyway, I text Mike okay. Burroughs, who's yeah. going to be on podcast, a big BMW guy, right? Right. He's like, don't get the V8, get the other one. I'm like, okay, great. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, 100%. He's like, that V8, the only reason to buy that is to take the motor out and put something else in. Okay. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want that one anymore. So I, I emailed the guy. I talked to him. It's the car's from Spain. Okay. I'm like, oh, cool. It's yeah, got, that's kind of cool. It's got a higher compression engine. It's got the European steering wheel. Oh. It's got like a color that you couldn't get here. I'm like, oh, this is great. Spent all kinds of time talking to this guy, negotiating a price. Okay. And I'm like, you have a title, right? <laughs> guy does not have a title well, he's why got, would you have one he's got paperwork from the port and a temporary registration from the state how long has he had the thing two months yeah he's trying to he offload it he's trying to offload it because he can't get it to pass emissions oh, he can't geez. get it he can't there's all kinds of stuff that needs to be done to the car before uh -huh. he can drive it he's like well why don't i just title it in nevada and then you can get that i'm like i'm done yeah, sorry i'm no, done that's so then i started looking at um and this this leads me to my so what I actually wanted to talk about, this is all lead up to what it actually okay. is bothering me right now, uh -huh. is I, I messaged a guy about a, um, it was like a 2001 540i six-speed uh, with a Sport uh, M package. So basically, it's, okay. a, it's an M5, but it doesn't have the M5 engine. That's what our, our producer, I was going to say, what year is yours? 2000. A 2000. He's got a 2001. Okay, okay. so right so there. I sent the guy a message, of course. It's got 150,000 miles on it, and the guy is asking $8,000, which is too much money. Yeah. That and so like I talked to him, and I asked him the same questions. And this is without me saying you're asking too much. I said, hey, have you done any recent maintenance to the car? You know, what's the story? What does it need? What doesn't work? Because right. the guy in the ad says, it says needs nothing, works. He sends me back, needs tie rods, needs tires, needs an alignment, <laughs> needs this, 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 this. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, oh, for, for the money, I think it's just, I, I think we're too far apart. Right. You know, That's we're done. Very... He's like, have you looked on bring a trailer at what these things are getting? <laughs> Which leads me uh -huh. to my rant of okay. bring a trailer. I don't understand. I hate bring a trailer. I, I don't get it, it either. Chris. Bring a trailer is for people that are too lazy to find a car. Yes. And they go on there and they go, oh, doo -doo, and they just bid on these cars. Everything on there goes for way more than it should. I know. Everything. If you're going to sell a car. grossly overpriced. If you're going to sell a car and it is slightly interesting, spend the money and put it on bring a trailer. It's a hundred bucks. Plus, I was going to bid on a car today. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I can't find it. It was another C43. Kay. But it had a salvage title, but it had 70,000 miles. And I was, I was thinking about bidding on it. So I clicked bid. You, the buyer's premium is 5%. Wow. So I was like, whoa. The buyer pays that. And the, no, Yeah, the buyer pays the 5% buyer's premium, that which is like, I think for, that's actually cheap, I think, for a yeah. buyer's premium. But I'm just like, you know what? I just don't 
I just was like, why nah. did you? Yeah. I'm like, I'm already looking at this thing that's already a little on the top end for what it should be. Anyway, and it's a salvage, and now you're going to be competing with other people so as he, well. Now we have bring a trailer, which is where all the interesting cars go, and I will give yes. them that. There's a lot of interesting, cool stuff on bring right. a trailer, but here's the problem. Now Joey Berditzman or Bob Bobson or whoever it is that has whatever car. Do you know a Joey Berditzman? Joey Berditzman is the is the idiot that we all. It's a fictional person that me and the me and my, some of my buddies. I was going to say I've never heard that name before. Yeah, it's a fictional guy that we use. <laughs> okay, so to, Joey Berditzman. Joey Berditzman has um, the five forty i, and he sure. said he's basing his nine thousand dollar price. Off of a 50,000 mile all original one owner car. Right. So now bring a trailer with all this interesting stuff goes for a ton of money. And now idiots with their crap are using that as a barometer for how much their car is worth. Exactly. When in fact, it's worthless. If you actually look at what the market for cars that are sold that aren't on there. Right. It's still not. It's way different. It's way so different. I read an article about this phenomenon, Chris, and I'll try to try to curate it and, and give you the points here is that the bring a trailer site. It goes for so much more money because these really are the curated cream of the crop cars if someone wants that particular example. And these are people that are, okay, anybody that's buying a car that's the cream of the crop, if if mm-hmm. I was a guy that was like, I want to buy a car, I'm going to, this is going to be the only car I buy, this is the one I really want, and I am going to spend whatever it takes to get it, and I want the cleanest, nicest, right. most unique example Buying it on Bring a Trailer and paying the premium is great. For everyone else, exactly. it sucks. So it's interesting because the article gave an example of the buyer from Bring a Trailer. It's these guys that are in their 30s, 40s that grew up seeing these cars. And for some reason, it's this that they lusted at. Like, that is the car that I want. It might not even be like a super awesome high-end sports car, but it's something interesting that struck a chord with them, such as a 540, such as an FJ, anything that you see on that site. And so now that they have money... And and these things are coming up 20 years later, they're going on there and saying, okay, I'm going to get the best one. And now I have the money to do it. And because they can do that, it drives up the basically false price and the false market for these vehicles. As you're seeing, it's driving me crazy. The guy literally goes, have you ever heard of bring a trailer? <laughs> and I was like, you mean bring a pipe dream? Mm-hmm. Because that's all you're doing here with your, the price of your car. So and I'm just, I'm really frustrated. It's like, it's in again, Everything I like, this is the taste that I've had for 15 years. I've had the same taste in cars. Yeah, and I didn't agree with it, and I still really don't. My my taste in cars? Well, I'm just saying like the older Mercedes, BMW, sedans, the bigger stuff. Like I, that's not something I'm attracted to. And so I think your point is you have an H3 truck. Right, which is not what you're interested in. Are you telling me that you would rather have that H3 than a 1992 BMW M5. Yeah, that's why I don't have one. He just threw his mic away. Come on, man. So you're going to say that, oh, your tastes were so unique and refined, and now everyone's jumping on board and They're raising on the, the prices, right? I, I was the only guy paddling around in the boat, and now everybody <laughs> is trying to down. jump in the boat, and they all want in the boat, <laughs> and I'm hitting them all with my paddle, but they won't stop. They keep getting in the boat anyway. Get out of my boat! 
damn it. Stop liking what I like. I'm so angry. I'm so tired of this. I don't have a lot of money. I work my ass off. I'm kind of poor, but I still, I want what I want and I can't get any of it because there's a bunch of assholes with money going on, bring a trailer, scrolling. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. And then they click on it and bid on it. It goes to, I mean, there's cars on there that go for way more than they should. So way more. Maybe you should tell me what you're looking for. And then I will also start looking for it since you think your tastes are something that I should adopt. Maybe the listeners can help. Maybe you can help. How? I am looking for ideally (laughs) six to $8,000 rear wheel drive manual, not a toilet, not salvage title, not tan interior. That that's not a huge ask. No, it's not huge. But that's a marketplace where a lot of people are looking. That six to eight figure, something interesting that's nice, not rusty. I mean, whatever. I that that's that's where I'm at. Poor Chris trying to buy another car. That's it. That's poor me. Poor Chris. Oh geez. All right. Well, we're gonna be. uh, We've. What do we? What else we have going on? Well, before we get to anything else, let's talk about our latest sponsor, Renline. If you tuned in last week, you know, we have partnered with them to offer an awesome discount. So maybe if you get that BMW, they do offer some parts for that. You can get Renline designed performance parts for European cars. Most notably to us and our listeners, perhaps, is Porsche. Uh, you may know of their interior accessories. They have full suspension setups. I'm still waiting. I think my uh, new uh, control arm bushings and strut brace is supposed to get here tomorrow, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, Renline really does create the highest quality equipment, and they're really as functional as they are beautiful. They've been in business the past 20 years and have developed over 6,000 products to meet the needs of Porsche enthusiasts alone. Uh, as I mentioned last week, though, we really set Renline apart is they aren't just another distributor. They're, all of their products are designed, engineered right in house, right there in Vermont. Not Vermont. Vernant. Vernant? <laughs> um, Regardless, be sure to check them out on Renline.com and use the code OVERCREST2. That's OVERCREST followed by the number 2 to get 5% off your next order, along with free shipping on orders over 250 bucks. Am I a hypocrite? In this specific context, am I a hypocrite for sitting here and constantly railing against all these new cars with all this BS technology that doesn't okay. work? And now people don't want any of that anymore. They're rejecting it. So now they're buying all these used cars. And I'm complaining that people are actually agreeing with me. I'm, I'm sorry to say that buying used cars is nothing new. There has always been a used car market. Yeah, but the not- person looking for the brand new Tesla Model 3 is miles away from the person looking at this 540 from 2001. I think that there's a movement for things that are old and simple and just work. Because I guarantee you the guy that goes over to a shop, he's got his direct injection engine mm-hmm. and he pulls it in there and they go, sorry, man, you know, you need a new motor on his $7,000 GTI. He needs a $4,000 engine because the motor's toast because they're right. junk. Are you telling me that that guy's going to go buy another GTI or another Kia has the same problem? Honda's having problems. BMW's having problems. Are you telling me that guy doesn't go, man, maybe I should buy like a low mileage. You know, back when I was 26, I had a low mileage GTI VR6 and that thing never had any problems. Right. That guy for sure. That's crossing his mind. So I am will- I a hypocrite for being like. Get out of my boat, even though I really would like be like, yeah, come in my boat. This is awesome. (laughs) 
perhaps. But I will say, I'm going to go back to my original point. In early 2000, a 20-year-old, 25-year-old European car is not a bare-bones, basic, reliable vehicle that's just going to, quote, work. If you're looking for that, that get like an old Chevy truck with an LS and a carburetor. That thing will work. That BMW with an inline six, manual climate control, power steering, power windows, and air conditioning, that's it. Yeah, that's all there is. There are almost no cars that have just that basic stuff anymore. That car is simpler than almost every single car. Oh, no, I from agree. Kia on. So yeah. don't try to tell me that these new cars are or these old cars are some, some complicated nightmare. Well, it's I'm a, just saying if you're going for the most like a, it's a simplistic designed cars, a BMW or Mercedes, you have to admit, are not the most simple or basic compared to today. They are. And that's sure. my point. OK, to today. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything, I'm certainly not going to buy an old 2001. I'm not going to buy some like a 1992 to, single overhead cam Civic. I'm sure not going to do that. So, I mean, that would I obviously kind of want one just to have that in my ownership history to try it. Well, Honda Motors, they rev out nice. They're simple. They're light. You also go to brunch every weekend. So that brunch says, is amazing. Says a lot. All right. We will be right back with Mike Burroughs, the custodian of stance and founder of stance works. And in my opinion, a uh, a motoring legend in uh in the last 10, 15 years. For awesome. Sure. All right. We'll be right back, guys. Mr. Mike Burroughs. How's it going, man? Not too bad. How are you? Very good. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Busy day today, but uh, happy to carve some time out and join you guys. That sounds, uh, that we sounds appreciate super, super kick-ass. So we were just actually ranting about the car that I that I told you that you said <laughs> definitely 100% get the 535, and then it just turns out the guy doesn't even have a title. He has, he has port papers and temporary registration and no title. So we are out of luck with that car. Now I'm back to no car at all. Unless Mike wants to buy it. <laughs> I don't think not he's... Not at that price, I don't. <laughs> yeah. For, for what he was asking, there should be a title and... Uh, some cash in the glove box so yeah that's kind of what i was thinking although as as we now know all, all these guys now just judge all the price and everything based on what they say on bring a trailer so they look at bring a trailer <laughs> they saw the one that had four miles on it sold for twenty five thousand dollars that means theirs is worth 10 yeah of course i mean that makes sense to me so <laughs> um so um i want to get into before we talk about stance works and what your future plans are i kind of want to give people that may not know you kind of a basis for where you come from. Um, we talked about that you found in Stanceworks, obviously, but as an adolescent boy, where did cars start for you? What was kind of the, uh, the impetus for, for cars? Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those questions I ask people a lot as I write articles and I hear the same answer most of the time that, you know, it, it came from, you know, spending time with dad in the garage or playing with Hot Wheels as a kid. And, and my answer is, pretty different from those. Honestly, cars weren't really um, much of an interest for me up until, you know, maybe a year or two before I was driving. Um, prior to that, it was no more of an interest than anything else. I mean, I had I had the, you know, the typical interest in, you know, Legos and Connects and Lincoln Logs and, and building and creating things, but cars themselves really came later. Um, so I think that's probably a bit atypical to your, you know, average car enthusiast. Um, you know, my dad is, you know, through and through, he's a car guy. He's had, you know, plenty of builds of his own and magazine cars and, you know, ran a uh, automotive ad agency with my mother for almost 20 years. So what was his car of choice? What was, uh, what was his thing? 
he's all over the place. He's always been a Porsche guy. Hmm. Um, he had a 911 Turbo uh, before you know I came around, um, and has had a handful of other you know similar things. When I was real little, he had a uh, 300ZX that uh, was twin turbo, and he had upgraded the whole thing, and it made like 600 horsepower. Wow. You know, he had a Z06 at one point. Um, I think when I was in high school, there might have been a. Uh, I feel like I remember him having an E55 uh, AMG at one point. So I mean, he he really kind of dives all over the place. Uh, he's now got a um, the new uh, Shelby GT350. Um, nice. And he, and he's loving it. So. What was your uh, first experience with a car? Like that of, of your own, your first, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sexually, Mike, sexually. What was your, what was your first experience that you had with a car? When you went out and you first drove, what was your first memorable experience with a car? Not in a car, you know, with a car. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. We're on the same page. All right. Um, you know, honestly, the first one that comes to mind is, um, so my first car, my parents bought me a 97 Chevy S10. Um, and let me tell you, I was quite thrilled about it because it had uh, an MTX subwoofer behind the seat. It had <laughs> orange underglow and it had pads on the seat belts that made them, obviously they were racing belts at that point. So right. um, it, was, uh, it was the thing for 16-year-old me. Um, and I guess first memory is me thinking it would be a great idea to try and slide around a corner in the heavy rain. And I ran it right into a tree. So, um, you know, was off to a good start, crunched the whole side of the bed, um, and made a mess of it. So that's, uh, that's kind of the earliest memory there. Uh, not earliest memory, but telling. What was the... You know, as we would know Mike Burroughs, what was the start of that? What car kind of started Mike as we know him today? Um, let's see. Earliest Mike as we know him today. Honestly, um, you know, I so I had uh, I bought a two hundred and fifty dollar E thirty. There's a three twenty five IS. It was an eighty eight. Um, I got it for uh, as I said two hundred fifty bucks. Uh, found it on it was before craigslist was a thing i'm trying to remember kind of what the what the other one was auto trader or you know one of those you know sites that also had the uh kind of print book you could find in a gas station um and it needed everything it needed i think it had a broken oil pan it needed you know the wheel bearings i, I drove it home uh filled it up with oil it had like a cracked pan filled up drove it home the wheel bearings were howling my stepdad took me out to go pick this thing up um Got it home, went through, and it was kind of the first time I'd ever really worked on a car, um, you know, replaced, you know, the things that I could. I, I had a shop do the uh, do the oil pan. That was certainly beyond my ability at the time. Um, got it all working, got it driving, and it was a pretty cool little car. And then uh, first day that I drove it to school, uh, I think it must have been my sophomore year, first day sitting right outside at the traffic light to turn into the school parking lot and a kid rear-ended it and totaled it. Oh, no. Uh, and so from there, I, I, uh, you know, I mean, insurance took care of it, fortunately. And with that, I bought the E36 that I still have today. Um, the, the silver so, one. Yep, the silver one. Now, one of the first 
memories I have of learning who you are is because of the, a, a car, that car. And it's a video of you guys sitting out at a picnic table talking about that car. Oh and then you guys go out and drive <laughs> that car and it sounds awesome. And that's my first real memory of, of you. What, what's going on with that car now, dare I ask? Uh, at the moment, uh, it's in a pretty sad state. So I haven't really driven it uh, beyond up and down the street uh, in the past about four years now, um, or maybe almost five at this point. Um, it was, uh, I was daily driving it for a while. Um, and then I had a guy pull out in front of me and, uh, and he, he gave me no warning, no heads up. He just pulled off the side of the road and, and right in front of me, crunched the front end of the car up. Uh, and in my frustration, I parked it. I said, I, I don't want to deal with this right now. Um, and you know, it's kind of one of those broken hearted things. I mean, the car was in really nice shape, had never been wrecked. I got it from the original owner. Um, and you know, I mean, the car's been my baby for so long. Um, it just took the wind out of my sails and, and I parked it and it's been parked for the most part ever since. Um, it was about a handful of months ago at this point, I found a parked car, replaced the whole front end, um, started replacing things here and there uh and i've actually finally got it scheduled to go back to a paint shop here in uh probably about a month uh i've got a friend who's going to paint the car do a full respray same color but i kind of told him the car's got to be perfect i want it better than it was stock so that's like you know kind of the benchmark there that we got to meet sure because I, I miss having the car i miss it, miss it being perfect do you think it's going to uh, live you know, up to your expectations of not having? Because you've since then, since that car was wrecked and since you built it, some of the stuff you've built, uh, like the Ford car and Rusty and everything else, have been so beyond that car that it's it's you kind of tr transcend the way that you built that <laughs> car originally. Is that a worry for you at all? No, um, honestly, it's it'll be an interesting return to kind of going back to having. Um, what I would call a clean car. I mean, as you know, my, my build center was often more a bit rough and tumble and, and, you know, I like, uh, you know, raw materials and I like the Tina and I like having to not worry about stacking tools on top of a car while I work on it. But, um, it'll be a good opportunity to have something, you know, with like nice, clean, fresh paint for once. I haven't had that in a really long time. Um, as far as the car itself and, and drivability and whatnot, uh, make no mistake. It's, it's a fast, quick, fun to drive car um so i guess for anyone not familiar with it it's uh it's got a full e46 m3 drive line um so it's got the, the s54 and the six speed um as well as all sorts of fun suspension bits uh and the car rips it's uh we have it has it doesn't a, have a it has velocity stacks just sticking out of it doesn't it itbs or? yeah 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 so it's it's running alpha n um uh, so it's got open velocity stacks on it which you know isn't the most responsible thing but you can't beat the sound and it's pretty fun and um you know when we dynoed the car last which you know was years ago at this point it was 327 wheel horsepower on a dyno dynamics dyno so the car puts down some substantial power compared to the uh 266 the s54 made stock on that same dyno so for sure it uh it, it's fun so how did stance work start what what was the where did that come from um honestly the e36 was the catalyst for uh for stance works beginning um I, uh, I would go and take photos of the car and then I go post, you know, pictures and new threads and what have you on Bimmer forums back in the forum heyday, which I'm sure you guys remember. Um, and, uh, you know, over time, a lot of people would, you know, just have negative things to say with, you know, 
oh, the car's too low. How can you drive it that way? Um, you know, your, your wheel and tire setup is stupid, you know, just all that kind of stuff. And I finally got tired as, as well as a lot of other people did of, of just constant negativity and the kind of, you know, one track mindset of there's only one way to modify a car. And that's, um, I mean, the E36 joke is clears LTWs in a drop. Uh, and it's that way for a reason, because that's kind of the, the standard way to put one together. Um, so I decided, you know, let's start up a, a forum, uh, where we can, you know, post our own build threads or whatever we're going to do. And, uh, it's kind of all encompassing, whatever you want to build, whatever you want to post, whatever, whatever you're doing, let's, uh, you know, stop the BS. So it, it was born out of that. And it was initially, you know, maybe a dozen of us kind of closer friends and it seriously snowballed. So, yeah, I remember first seeing like the, the, the ubiquitous stance work banner that would go on the windshield. And pretty soon there's people that was just you guys. And then all of a sudden it was like, that banner was on everybody's car and all of a sudden it was in Europe and they were all over the place. And that's kind of where I first started learning about the forum and everything. It just, it just, it went from like zero to a hundred, like immediately. It was something that people were really, really thirsty for, I think. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a right place, right time thing um, in terms of helping to usher in a new generation of car enthusiasts, especially kind of some of the younger guys looking to uh, build a car in the, you know, social media generation, um, which is, I guess, has some positives and some negatives. Uh, I think like the downside is it ushered in the kind of Instagram car builder mentality of just bolting garbage together to outdo the last guy who bolted his, his garbage together and <laughs> putting together totally shit cars. Um, but, uh, I do think we helped kind of foster a whole, you know, generation, so to speak of creativity and, and bringing new things to, to modifying cars and, and uh, a new aspect of community. Um, and, and I'm really happy looking back on it. I mean, it's been 10 years now as of uh, this year, so two, or 2019, began in January of 2009. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's grown steadily for 10 years. You know, the, the forum's got, you know, 100 and who knows how many thousand registered users. And, you know, obviously we have the, the social media following as well. And we positioned ourselves in a really cool place in the car world, getting to tell stories as, as you know, so. For sure. Um, how did you and Andrew meet and how did he start to play into stance works? And, and Andrew Ritter is, is what I'm talking about. Of course. Of course. Um, honestly, uh, the first time I ever spoke to Andrew is somebody had sent me a link. Uh, this was right after I had, uh, put rusty together the very first time. So pretty simple car, but totally rusted exterior and had the 18 inch RSs on it and all that jazz. And, uh, so we sent me a link to a mini forum where somebody had posted a thread about the car. Uh, and you know, this guy that had posted it had, you know, some nice things to say about it and was like, Hey, look at this. This is different. What do you guys think about it? And that guy was Andrew. Um, and so I sent him a DM and just said, Hey, I just wanted to say like, you know, thanks for the kind words that you put out there about my car. It's, it's really cool to see that I registered for the forum just to send him the message. Um, what was he driving at the so time? He, uh, he had, uh, it's actually somewhat well known in the mini world, uh, looking back or even non mini world. He had a red, um, first generation new mini. I don't know what the chassis code is R 53 or yep. R 50 or something like that. Um, and it had 15-inch RMs on it that were real wide. They stuck out past the fenders. It had kind of like the, the bulbous tires on it. It was, it was a pretty cool car at the time. Um, there's some uh, pretty well-known photos of it uh, that, if you guys remember or know, Conky um, took. 
Yeah. And, wow. Uh, I haven't heard that name in a while. That's crazy. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so he was driving that. And so, you know, we had kind of similar tastes and, and, you know, directions of what we were doing with our cars. And he said to me in reply to the message I sent him, he said, well, if you ever need, you know, any, you know, stickers or that kind of thing, let me know. That's what I do. And eventually I reached back out to him. I said, Hey, I'm tired of cutting vinyl. Do you want to do it? <laughs> um, and then, you know, slow but steady, the relationship grew and, and then he became a part of Stance Works. And then, you know, 10 years later, he's perhaps one of the closest friends I've ever had. So, yeah, he's, ex- he's extremely talented. Some of the design work and everything he did with Stance Works is, uh, is top notch. He's extremely talented. Um, so oh, he, he's, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to move on and say, what, what exactly is stance when, when someone, if you, if you had to explain it to somebody, it's often misconstrued, right? So if you had to say, what is stance, what would you tell them? Um, you know, honestly, it, it's that kind of question that I hate hearing because it always feels so pointed. <laughs> um, but my reply is always every car, no matter what it is, has stance. You know, I go back to my days on Bimmer Forms before anyone was using the word outside of oh that car has a mean stance to it you know it might have fat tires on it and be hunkered down on top of them or you know it's synonymous with presence um it's about uh how a car sits as a whole its wheel package its tire package its suspension package and how all those components play together and it could be i mean a truck has stance to it it doesn't have to mean it's not synonymous with low fender to tire clearance it's 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 about a car's presence um, its stature as a whole, uh, and, you know, in, in many ways, how it speaks to you when, when you look at it, you know? So speaking of your, your ideas on stance, then how, when, with stance works and what you thought about stance, did you ever feel that you were directed in any direction one way or another, knowing that you had this foundation of, of what you had to uphold or what people thought stance might be, or did you always just kind of forge your own way? Uh, it's, it's certainly always been kind of, of forging our own way. And as soon as the, the, the word stance and like the stance movement, so to speak, started going in a direction I really didn't like, uh, Andrew and I really worked hard to, to separate stance works from that in every way, except for name, uh, to curate content that helped push the, the car community in the direction that we wanted it to go. And I've kind of always operated with this mantra so to speak of you can only get out of the car community what you're willing to put into it um so many people might sit at their keyboard posting on a forum or a facebook group and just you know bitch and moan about you know certain aspects of the car community or where it's headed or what it's doing um or or what have you and i always ask what are you doing to change it are you doing anything are you contributing to try to make a difference to or to steer this ship you know um, and the answer is almost always no, um, because people like mouthing off on the internet. Uh, but I've always felt like it's, it's, well, it's a lot easier to keep your teeth on the internet than it is in person. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so, so what way did, I've always when, tried when, to, op- when you said that the, the scene deviated and stance works kind of went one way and the scene went the other way, is there anything specifically that you can point to that you didn't like that you saw that was like, Whoa, I got to get away from this. Was there something that that you can put your finger on that you want to be on uh, record for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to, I, I, I try to avoid being too negative online these days. Cause, uh, I mean, my first 
you know, half of my online career, it's what I made a name for myself for was, you know, being an opinionated prick. Um, and I pretty much only spread negativity about it. Uh, and I'm trying to correct that, but every once in a while, you know, you gotta, you gotta go, go back to your roots and, um, you know, the stuff that I don't like that I strongly disagree with that I think is cancerous in the car community is the, um, the, like I said, the Instagram build mentality, the, the shock value build of, you know, I'm going to cram 13 inch wide wheels under my FRS because the last guy did 12 and a half, even though they stuck three inches out of his fenders, you know, <laughs> Oh, I got to be the best. I'm the lowest I'm the, this, that. Um, I've got the widest fenders. I've got the most stretched tires. I'm the lowest. I've destroyed the underside of my car, you know, and had a body shop replace it six times now. It's like, man, no one, no one gives a shit or the people that do, you know, they're never going to contribute anything to the car community. You know, it kind of goes back to like, are you doing anything to steer the ship? Um, and as soon as I realized that like, that's, where kind of the quote unquote stance community was going of just trying to outdo everyone. And, and, Oh, if you, if you've got haters, you're successful um, type of thing that that's immediately when I, when I, you know, did a 180 and, and had to go the other way to the point where uh, I mean, it's kind of a, a site wide joke, but the word hate and hater is banned on Stanceworks and has been for almost the entire time. Like you can't type it. It won't let you do it. <laughs> uh, because the thing I didn't want to have happen is thread titles that, are, that would say, oh, haters beware or whatever. Like, get out of here with that. Like, no, it, you build the car for yourself. If you've got some sort of, um, you know, something to say with it, if you're saying, you know, be artistic, do something different. I don't care. Do whatever you want to do, but do it for you. Uh, if other people don't like it, so be it. But if you're doing something because people won't like it, like, that's not hard to do. I could take a dump on the hood of my car and people would be upset about it. That doesn't mean it's worth anything so the only thing that would make it better um, would be a blow-up doll out of the sunroof i think that would go <laughs> that would go really really exactly, well with that so exactly. as stance works evolved how important what role did rusty play in this evolution because watching that car go from a car that just was to a car that was on fire to a <laughs> literally. car literally to a car that eventually evolved into what is essentially is a monster it kind of followed this progression of where you've gone and I just want to hear what you think its role played in your life and the, and the path stance works took. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so I guess I have to rewind a little bit and say, I'm not beyond, you know, people that are going to listen to this and say, here's this guy saying all these things about stupid cars and he's got a completely rusted E28. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of the, uh, the irony there. Um, but I do think that most people with any experience with rusty at all, or they can look at it, have spent any time around the car or that have had an impact from the car will vouch that there's, that there's more to it than, you know, making a car for shock value. Um, I think I that mean, there's, the the, there are the people that do as, tear it down. They, they, in, in the vein of what you're saying, if you go online and you look, there are people that constantly want to want to tear the car down. And they don't know anything about it. And I feel like it's almost because yeah. there's like something with their personality that they feel like bringing you down will somehow make them or their build or what they're doing better rather than just focusing on themselves and, and building for them. Like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's in, in many ways, it's just like an attempt to validate oneself or to make yourself feel better about, you know, I'm sure some people look at it and say, Oh, here's this dude that's, you know, massively popular or who has a following 
based on some stupid rusty car. Well, it's because everyone's an idiot. Well, uh, I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want to go about it that way, you can, but there's a lot to that car. There really is. Um, so what impact did it have on your life? Uh, a massive one. I mean, almost every friend that I have, uh, to this day is in some way, shape or form attached to that car. Uh, whether it, you know, I've met my friends through Stanceworks, which was in many ways born because of that car or, um, were from, I mean, like one of my closest friends, um, that, uh, well, one of, one of my closest friends, Corey Hutchison, uh, the way we met is he actually lived not far from my college, uh, house that I lived in. Um, and he spotted Rusty in the driveway of the, of the house. And, you know, it was like, Oh shit, there's that car that's all over the internet. And so he sent me a, a message on the forum. He had been a member for who knows how long and just said, Hey, you know, like, I saw your car. I didn't realize you lived anywhere near here. Like, could I come by sometime and check it out? And he did. Um, and we've been, you know, best friends now for, you know, getting close to 10 years. Uh, and it's, and it's a similar story to that for so many friends, not necessarily, you know, getting DMS on the forums or what have you, but in some way, shape or form, you know, it, it's connected to me to a lot of people in my life. Um, and it's also served as the basis, you know, not only for stance works, but you know, like that car got me out there taking photos of it to share it to, you know, to, to, you know, in many ways help build my career as a photographer or, you know, a writer and, you know, all these different things, the car's done a lot. And then, you know, of course, as a fabricator too, you know, I, in the last iteration of the car was, you know, something I created from the ground up, um, and was very much kind of a, a learning process all the way through that to, you know, build the skill sets I have today. Did sort of when you were building Rusty, is that when the light bulb came on that you could start doing that kind of thing for a living? Um, I think to an extent, yeah. Um, it, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when that, you know, switch flipped. Um, but it was clear that there's a lot of joy in, in building things like that. And what was always surprising is everyone always says, why did you build the car? What's the car for? Um, you know, why? And my answer to them always seems like it doesn't make sense. I, I say, I built it to build it. I didn't build it for any other purpose. I built it cause I wanted to build the car. It's not a means to an end. Um, it was about to build itself. So people say, you know, like, why haven't you taken it on a track? And I mean, I have a list of reasons I'd love to do that, but the other answer, to be honest, is that's not the priority for me. I didn't build it to race it. I built it to build it. It was about, you know, bringing that car back and building something wild and getting to teach myself a lot of things along the way to exercise, um, creativity, uh, to bring in different you know, sources of inspiration, you know, as you said, the car represents kind of my journey as an automotive enthusiast and its last iteration shows all of the things that I'm into these days, um, you know, race cars and, and race technology, and especially kind of, you know, like the group five stuff, the group a, uh, production race cars, silhouette race cars, um, you know, things like that, you know, bringing in sources of inspiration from those things to build, you know, what I consider to be one of the wildest BMWs you're ever going to see. So, uh, as you said, the car is absolutely a journey from start to finish. Uh, and it's an important one for me. Where does the dedication come from 
to, from going from A to B with a car like that? Because you do it in like a short amount of time that most people just look at it and go, I can't believe it. Where does is, where is this dedication day to day come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those, the answer is undoubtedly going to sound conceited and self-righteous. Um, so I guess I'll apologize beforehand. But uh, the, the reply is, it's because I want it. And you got to want it. You got to want it like I want it. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, there's a lot of car enthusiasts out there, but I don't think that there are that many people that truly, undeniably, and unequivocally eat, sleep, and breathe cars like I do, or guys like me. You know, I don't. I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal here, but um, I mean, when when I say I'm into cars. It's not like, oh, cars are a passion of mine. It's like, no, like that's, that's what I do. That's, this is it. It's right here. Um, and I think you got to be, you know, that passionate about this kind of thing. And not only cars itself, but creating and building and learning and, and pushing yourself uh, is going to be the only way you're going to, you're going to do something like that. And, you know, honestly, the fun on the other side of it is if I get to inspire one other person to do something similar, um, you know, there's reward from that too, you know? For sure. I think that's, I think that's one important thing that I think everybody should, uh, that's a car enthusiast can take from that is that, you know, you just got to get out there and do it. I mean, not everybody can do it every single day, but getting out there and doing it at all is, is what's important. So how do you go from, uh, from stance works, which you're also going to continue to do, but you also have this, uh, a new company called proto machine. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Proto Machine um, honestly began um, in concept, you know, probably a half decade ago. Um, you know, two of my closest friends, Riley Stair and Nick Foster, um, you know, I, I haven't lived close to either of them up until now. Riley just moved down here to SoCal, but Riley was up in Sacramento and Nick's up in uh, Seattle. Um, but despite the distance, we're the kind of guys who would talk pretty much every day. Um, and we've all got a passion for this kind of thing. We're all that type of car guy I just described. Um, and we've always said there'd be something, you know, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, magical about really pursuing this passion, um, you know, completely. Really commit to it and see if, if you know, building cars like this can be, you know, a career. Um, and recently that has taken form as proto machine um so we went live with it actually uh just two days ago was our formal announcement to the world um riley made the move down here to uh orange county to the what is the stance workshop um back in, in the very beginning of january after kind of the planning phase for you know six months leading up to it of, of kind of ironing out the details he knew he had to fi finish up his trans dam that he debuted at SEMA before he could move um, you know, kind of getting all the ducks in a row. So it, it's been a long time coming and it's been something that I've wanted to do. I mean, I, as I kind of explained to people, uh, you know, on social media, when we announced it, a lot of people know me as, you know, a photographer or a writer. Uh, but I think more than those things, I'm a car builder. Um, and I think it's time for me to pursue that, to, to kind of jump in there and give this a go. I think I've got um, ideas and talents to bring you to the table. Unfortunately, I've partnered with two guys who are two of the smartest and most talented people I've ever met. Um, and I'm excited for, for people to see what we've got in store. There's already some exciting builds uh, underway and happening and in the works. So are these um, going to be like completely custom one-off things or what, what is, what's the plan? 
Um, so we're, we're going to be taking on work that's kind of the smaller uh, stuff here and there as it fits into the schedule. So, for example, we've got, uh, you know, a friend's race car in here that we're going to do a full eight-point roll cage on um, as a time attack car. Uh, we recently did a whole front uh, wheel well tub job on a 190E Cosworth that has an Evo 1 kit so that it can actually, like, get hunkered down properly because the race cars all had huge tubs under the front. Um, so things like that. Uh, but the the overall uh, goal of the company is is complete, uh, you know, from the ground up builds, uh, complete cars with, you know, n- nothing left unturned. So, um, and and we've got some stuff in the works already, which is which is really exciting. And it's it's the type of stuff you'll expect from guys like us, but even better because you know I've never had somebody to pull my talents with before. Uh, and I think the same goes for them. You know, the three of us all bring something to the table and uh, I, I'm, I can't say too much yet, uh, but we've got one build underway. That's absolutely going to be insane. I'll tell you that it's, it's wild. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. That sounds really awesome. Um, where can they find out more if anybody wants to find uh, more? So we, we do have uh, our website, so protomachine.com, uh, and then we uh, just fired up our Instagram, so that's just at protomachine. Um, those would be the two main outlets. I, we have a Facebook page, too, but who's on Facebook these days? Um, <laughs> People that know, love privacy. Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, so that's P-R-O-T-O, oh, oh sorry, P-R-O-T-O machine um, on Instagram. Before I let you go, there's um, there's a topic that's near and dear to my heart that I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, with everything yeah. going all with auto, autonomous cars, electric cars, um, what do you think the future of motoring culture is, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road from now? You know, I think you and I might've even touched on this one before. Um, and it's, and it's one of those subjects I'm pretty passionate about. Um, I am of the opinion that, uh, for now, for the foreseeable future, electric cars are where it's going to be. Um, I think if you look at, how quickly uh, hybrid and electric cars have grown in the market uh, and what they are capable of in just 20 years or so since the original Prius debuted, it's absolutely mental. It is. Um, you know, you go, you go from, you know, a, 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 you know, the Prius, the, the butt of every automotive joke ever <laughs> to, you know, Every major, you know, supercar or hypercar or whatever they're calling them now is a hybrid. Uh, and now we're facing all electric cars that are faster than, than things we've ever seen before. I mean, if, if Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster is true, it'll be the quickest car uh, any of us are ever going to, you know, be around unless we get the opportunity to drive some, you know, what, what's the new Koenigsegg they just announced, you know, things like that. I mean, it's going right, to be right. like a 1.8 second, zero to 60. It's incredible. I think one of the most important things that we have to remember when we're considering this topic is if motoring culture is going to survive, we have to embrace the electric revolution. Absolutely. You have to. And and so I know that that you and I have said before, the train is leaving the station. It's going to leave the station. So you either you're either on board or you're not. You're going to get left behind. Um, We're going towards electric cars. We have to. Um, and I know a lot of people really romanticize, um, you know, petrol motors and for good reason, I get it. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing better than the scream of a, you know, a fuel injected engine, but 
I, I, so many people are so afraid of this idea of like, oh, cars that don't make sound or, you know, that only whine when you press the throttle and, you know, they don't stink like gas and oil. And yeah, it, it sucks. Those things are gone. But, it sucks. It's when you have you know, an electric I, motor doing a burnout, it sounds like someone's like sanding a cabinet or something. <laughs> it's it's totally boring. Yeah, but but, but I, I also think that the love for all of those things comes from conditioning to some degree. I mean, like, if you took people that aren't into cars at all, they're not going to think a race car sounds good. It's just loud and annoying. Right. And I think in due time, I hope that that scream of an electric motor will become synonymous with the fastest shit you're ever going to strap yourself into. Hmm. And it's going to, it's going to raise the hair on the back of your neck and it's going to be the type of thing that you get into and you, you want to hear that sound, you know, it's, it's almost, um, you know, like Pavlov ringing the bell, it's, it's going to do, you know, wild things to us. We've just got to get there. And I think, it, you know, I hope that given the opportunity, uh, car enthusiasts will kind of pivot and say, you know what, maybe I'll give this electric stuff a chance right now. Anytime the discussion comes up, it's mostly dudes, you know, they throw little temper tantrums in the comment section of anything and start fussing and whining about how I'll never support electric cars. It's, you know, Right. That's yeah, not going to help anybody. That's not going to help anybody. That it's guy not. that's it's um, and I've come around in the last two years, probably the last year, maybe even. Have you? I think so. Well, I, I've come to the realization that they don't really excite me right now. And I see the builds that people do with like Nissan Leaf Motors and Tesla Motors and stuff like that. And it seems interesting. It doesn't excite me. But I've come to the point where I realize that if what I love and what moves me and what uh, impassions me is going to survive, I have to accept and encourage especially the younger generation to get into, you know, electric modification and hot rodding and stuff like that. We have to, or it's, or we're doomed. Yeah. And, and, you know, for example, I mean, I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody, or uh, I think it was Pininfarina just announced their electric hypercar, like, you know, two days ago. I don't know if you guys right. saw it. Uh, pretty wild looking car. And they're announcing the thing has 1,900 horsepower and 1,700 <laughs> foot-pounds of torque. Yeah, we touched on that and when they announced like, it. It's nuts. How how are you going to keep up with that? I mean, and we're, what, <laughs> 20 years into, you know, this, this type of technology? I mean, yeah, electric cars have been around for, for a long time. But to really have, you know, companies pooling resources and... and massive resources. Just massive amounts of money and resources in this, in the in the hypercar battle. It's insane. But to Mike's point, it is and, happening quick. It, the Prius didn't come out that long ago. Right. And to see where we're at now. It just seems like it's ramping up really, really fast as as we go. Oh, and, it's, it's moving. And, and it's... I, I can't imagine what it will look like in another 10, 15 years. I mean, as, at the rate that battery technology technology is happening and especially if we happen to uh make you know like the superconductor possible it's, it's game over you know it doesn't matter what you do um you'll be left to enjoy the things that are romantic about um internal combustion engines and that's it because they won't hang um and and you know i'm excited for that type of thing i'm not I don't necessarily want it to happen. You know, I'd love for, uh, you know, the presence of, you know, fuel and, and, and oil and these, you know, these types of things to, to stick around. But like you said, you got to embrace it because it's going to happen. And so I choose to be excited about it instead of, um, you know, a curmudgeon or, you know, 
pissy about what's to come. Might as well embrace it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, we're going to let you go, man. And uh, we're going to go and hit up some news. But we really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And um, maybe the car I find will be in in L.A. and I'll come have <laughs> breakfast with you or something. We'll see how it goes. Sounds like a plan. Come visit. And uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Take talk. care, man. Bye bye. All right. That was awesome. Many thanks to Mike for coming on the podcast. Now, if you haven't, if you don't know, if you've been living in a, under a rock for the last 10 years and you don't know what rusty is or what stance works is, you can Google rusty slammington. Yes. And this is a car that he built over the course of many, many years, as you heard, but it ended up having an M one engine in it, which is it's basically an S 38 and which is like, it was an actual real pro M one pro car. Engine. It's a race car engine. Yeah, It's measured in hours, not miles, right? <laughs> yeah. um, it has the big red individual throttle bodies off it. And you also will know the car. If you've seen the movie, Dazeel, which is what Alex and I did together. Oh, sure. Um, Alex, who's a gallivantry on Instagram, et cetera. Uh, he wrote in it and said it was just like absolutely crazy. But one thing I wanted to touch on that was important. Okay. And I want to circle back to it because it's something that I wrote down when, when Mike was talking is Rusty and the car culture was a conduit for friendship. And I think that's what's really, really important here as we get into the next section um, of the news, which we'll get into later. But Cars and motoring culture isn't just about driving. That's not all that it is. Right. Well, and he, Mike said that basically. He said all, you know, all his friends are from Rusty or somehow that was involved in making friendships. And not only that, he's not necessarily a guy that does this for driving the cars. He's the guy that does it just for building the cars. I have, That's what I, he enjoys. And I, I have, get that. that. I'm the same way. I'm not nearly as driven as he is to build. Right. But all of my friends, all of them, every single one is because of cars. The car club that I started back in the day, Euroworks, yeah. um, whether it's the connections that I've made through magazines like Mike and Andrew from Stanceworks. And it's all, all of this stuff. This is this is my world. So I want people to understand when we get into this news article, why I'm so passionate about this <laughs> and why and everybody that's in the car culture should be passionate about this. Yeah. When we talk about the um, basically the uh, dissolution of car culture and having it diluted for whatever reason, we'll get into that in a minute. This is really what I'm fighting for. It's not necessarily for the right to drive. It is for basically how my life has been defined. And I don't want that taken away from me or, and I don't want it taken away from anyone else. And I don't want the opportunity for others to have it taken away from them because there's a lot of disaffected people out there that have gotten into cars and it saved their life. Whether they come back from overseas, they got PTSD, they work on True. motorcycles, they work on cars, they, they wrench, they, you know, or that's, or it's the guy who raises his kid with him he's a single dad or whatever and he's working in the garage with his daughter or son and they share that together mm. i don't want any of that to go away and i think it's absolutely imperative that car culture doesn't die because it is an it's an easy way for people to get in touch with their friends and their family and build a culture and it crosses boundaries of race gender sexuality none of none of that matters 
none of it matters. All that matters is that your car is stupid or not stupid. <laughs> you know, we all have our like the things that we like and, yeah. and everything. That, and that's how it's segmented. It's segmented by like Ford guys and Chevy guys versus um, white people and black people. And yeah. I really think that it brings everybody it together. And it's a good point. I'm obviously much more optimistic than you are. But I think because that passion exists. It's because you're naive. <laughs> well, that's a different argument. But I, I'm my point is I'm not as gloomy about all this because there is so much passion out there for cars for the the culture around them and the hobby so before we get into that in your next story though i want to take a moment here talk about the really cool promotion we're running on instagram for the month of march eyes up auto art is letting us give away a custom commission painting of your car they've done some really cool work uh for audi's race team with the r8 they did a bunch of stuff for magnus walker and countless others uh the guy behind the brush and the brand of eyes up auto art is zachary carroll and this is i really like this i read this last week their mission is to help memorialize people's cars they no longer have celebrate the ones they do or make a dream more tangible i like it yeah he has a really unique uh style that focuses on exaggerated contrast and colors and they really pop so for your chance to win post a photo of your car on instagram and tag both overcrest podcast and eyes up auto art at the end of the month then one lucky winner will get an awesome custom painting of their car check it out on instagram again eyes up auto art all right yeah that's i like i like the art i i kind of want i hope i win even though i can't win <laughs> and I, I can win in spirit so i hate to take say I told you so, but I actually kind of really like to say I told you so. I know you do. Because I feel like the more times I say I told you so, maybe people will start listening. You know, they'll start being like, oh, well, maybe Chris is right. Maybe I should start. Then we can attention. all be super pessimistic and gloomy not, about it's, everything. It's, a, it's not pessimism. It's realism because it keeps happening. And I keep get, keep getting proven right. All right. And that's so what, so, what happened? OK, so as we talked about last week, they basically um, said they're going to install speed limiters in cars in the yes. European Union, all new cars right. will be fit, which is going to raise the used car market up like crazy, of course. Not only that, I saw an interesting joke about how, you know, Brexit and they were like, oh, well, now everyone's behind Brexit in the country because <laughs> then they don't have to do speed limiters. <laughs> yeah, well, the problem is, is that the cars are going to come with them. Anyway. Exactly. So based on GPS and cameras, your car will be limited to whatever the speed limit is, wherever you are. Now, I challenge everyone that's out there. <laughs> okay. I want you to spend the next two days uh-huh. driving exactly the speed limit. Yes. I want you to do it. It is hard. It is extremely hard and it's extremely frustrating. Namely, because a lot of the speed limits that are out on the road today don't have anything to do with safety. It's all about noise regulations and sure. Um, especially like here, we've like we've said we've got the slowest interstate in the country. Yep. Because a bunch of rich people were like, it's too loud. Summit Avenue. You know, they bought their houses there next to a freeway. You knew the freeway was there when you bought the house, but then you're gonna go and make everybody go 50 miles, 45 miles. 45. What's more frustrating is if you're trying to drive the speed limit everyone else that isn't is looking at you like a crazy person because now you're going 15 20 miles an hour slower than everyone else on the yeah, road everybody else is like this is stupid i'm just gonna go um and that's what's really frustrating about going exactly the speed limit because nobody does no and as soon as they are forced to it's going to be people are going to get angry i know when i'm driving behind people that are going exactly the speed limit i'm like this is insane, especially when they're going like 65 or 70 on I-94 across Wisconsin like they were today. And they're going 70 in a 70. I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I can set the cruise control on this car easily at 90 and be fine. Anyway, so okay. 
I'm like, okay, I want to look in because I, I got in like a little bit of a Twitter argument with some like mobility lady or whatever. I saw and she, this. she says, speed kills. And I'm like, okay, does it? So I started going, I wanted uh, myself and Mr. Producer looked up some statistics and I wanted to get into it a little bit okay. and try and clarify if speeding is actually, if saving lives through speeding is actually the goal of this legislation. Okay. And we'll get to the, the conclusion um, where I get to say, I told you so, and I'm right at the end of that. Do you, but, do you have an alternative conclusion of what the goal is of making? Yes. Yeah, I do. Okay. So, okay, so distracting, uh, I want to start with some stats of what actually kills people when they're driving. Distracted driving accounts for approximately 25% of all motor vehicle crash fatalities. And I will stop you right there and say, I bet it's much higher because that's only the time when it's either reported or they say, oh, yes, I was on my phone when I crashed, officer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I bet it's or actually. Or they, they probably maybe looked at their phone. Maybe they call up Verizon and go, hey, how fast was the GPS? Can I do that? I don't even know what they can I don't know. Okay, let's. They can. But, but anyway, regardless, regardless, I bet it's higher. Okay, 25. We'll say 25, 30%. Yep. DUI is 30%. Wow. Uh, speeding is 26%. Okay. And 49% of all the speeders that died. Yeah. So half of all of that 26%. It's going to be a lot of numbers. You got, so you got to like just follow me here. Sure. 49% of all the 26% that died were not wearing a seatbelt. So then it's not really speeding that killed them. It's lack of a seatbelt. Correct. Now, here's my other question. If someone is speeding and runs a red light mm-hmm. and kills somebody. That wasn't it, speeding. But it gets marked down as speeding. You're right. It's included. You're right. So just because they died from speeding. Just because they were speeding when they died doesn't mean it was the reason that they died. Good okay. Point. So and of that 26 percent that died while they were speeding. Yep. 30 37 percent of them were drunk. So that gets tied in with DUI again. Gets tied in with the DUI. So um, uh, there's 10 right now in the United States, there's 10 per 100,000 people die of speeding. Men die at a rate of 5.7 per 100,000. Women are six of 100,000. Now, what does that tell you? I'm sorry. Say that sad again. Men die at a rate of 15.7 per 100,000 people. Women die at a rate of six. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> it does. Um, stats of men are drastically skewed higher at the early and late stages of their life when you're blind and when you're dumb. Yep, okay. exactly. Um, if we eliminate drunk driving, that takes the numbers of speeding decks down 37%, far, far below distracted driving. Yes, and okay. that's that's that would make sense to me. If you said what was more speed or distracted driving, 100%, I would think distracted Do driving. Do you think that legislatures have the ability to tell uh now i'm not saying it's right or not but Mm -hmm. do you think we could make it where if your phone is moving more than five miles per hour it doesn't work surely they could do this what if you are a passenger or on a bus or etc i'm just saying you yes they could do that But would it be worth it to save all of these lives there would be an outcry why because then people couldn't text when they're on the bus but we're saving everyone's supposed to be on public transit anyways we are saving lives, Jake. These are human beings we're talking about here. Far more people die of distracted driving and driving under the influence than they do speeding. Right. But here we are talking about huge, massive legislation to eliminate speeding. Why don't we have automatic breathalyzers in the car? So every time you start it up, right. you, you have to breathe into the breathalyzer. It wouldn't be that hard. It's nope. an ignition thing. Why don't we right. do that? And way exists. more people that die. is an ignition interlock that only, some people you have to have. only if you uh only if you've already been caught 
Right. What about the other people that this was their first time drunk driving? They killed somebody. Yeah. It doesn't really do anything there, does it? No. Okay. So we've got 37% plus 25%. So we've got 63% or whatever it is. (laughs) Math. Okay. Over 60% of deaths are preventable and no one's doing anything. But But the low number... Which is, if you take almost 37% of those people that are speeding are drunk. So we say 63% of the people that are actually speeding were maybe speeding, and that's what caused it. it the number just keeps shrinking. Is it because For this having is, speeding to blame, that number keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Right. Is it because this is the low-hanging fruit? It is, is the low-hanging fruit, and I believe that this is a campaign against driving, not speeding. Because people the people that do this, yeah. they're obviously not enthusiasts. They don't care. And from what I can see in Twitter, there's a huge. Oh, you're, you're saying the people that are enacting these laws. Yeah, the, yes. the, the lobbyists, the legislators, 100%. whatever. Yes. They don't care. They're just like, well, we'll just save lives. Yes. They don't take into account anything else. And they just say, well, this obviously driving is already bad. We already don't want people to drive. Right. So this is a campaign against driving, not speeding. They don't want you to drive at all. Right. If it was their choice right now. Yeah. If it was. If. If the capability was there mm-hmm. to completely remove the human element out of driving and it would work today, that law would be passed tomorrow. They would take it away faster than you could ever blink. There's a famous quote that I can't remember exactly. I think it was Benjamin Franklin. It was something about the balance of security versus liberty. And so what you're talking about is taking away all this liberty of people, the freedom to drive and choose to do that versus, well, we're enacting these laws to keep you safe. That's security. Right. Well, which do you want? hundred uh, percent liberty every time. Uh, would you have said that a year ago? Mm. <laughs> You've been hanging out with me too much. I know. I anyway, know. so it's um, speeding is seen as superfluous, reckless and extra. OK, nobody really needs to be speeding. OK, I would agree and with that. Nobody really needs yes. to be doing it. Yeah, but it's hard to argue that speeding is good. Where do you think men are going to get their their kicks if they're not doing it while they're driving? Because men need we, if you go back to the remember the episode we did where it's we talked about the the philosophy of masculinity, yeah. males and driving. There's yeah. a reason they speed. They're the reason that they're the ones that die. OK, I but think, I don't think that you need to speed to get this outlet of your testosterone and your masculinity. You don't No. Why do they do it then? Why do men do it? Why do men get out there and speed and drive uh, and take it's not just men? Well, by almost by over twice, it is. By over twice, more men are dying while speeding. Dying while speeding, yes. I don't know why that is. It's because they're more aggressive. It's genetic. It's, of course, that's why there was just that law that was passed in what, uh, against insurance that said men and women must pay the same for, for right. auto insurance because men cost more, because men cause more accidents. They're riskier. And that's just in our genetics. That's just who we are. That's why when I get into my 911 and I drift around the corner and don't die, I get a dopamine hit True. because it feels good to me that I was able to conquer and and wrestle that that rear engine car to the ground. You know, I was able to Did do that. Did you just get a southern accent I all of a did, sudden? Just just for what a second. What was that? Okay, so okay, so men need this outlet. I, th- but like I said, it's so much more than that. I, th- I feel like this is an attack on driving, not speeding. This is just another I peg. I think there's a much bigger part of it as well that is emissions. Cars are meant to go. So they did studies. The reason there was the nationwide nationwide 55 mile per hour speed limit back in the day is because that was for efficiency. Right. right? Well, again, driving. They don't want you driving. It's 
Driving is dangerous to these people. They only see it as an appliance. They see it as something that eventually technology will be able to overcome this and we will save all of these people. It's a bunch of utopian idiots that have a savior <laughs> complex that think they know what's best right. when really they don't because they've never held a real job in their life ever. They've never hired anyone. They've never fired anyone. They've never created anything except laws. They're so disassociated from the way that you and I or any other normal person thinks. And this isn't like a, a political bias either way. Everybody's like this. They're all a bunch of egomaniacs. And so they go through and they do this stuff because they think they truly think. And to their merit, they truly think they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. But but they're not. They're not. So realistically, sure, this will save lives. But at what cost? What else should we ban? Okay. <laughs> cigarettes. How many deaths from cigarettes do you think there is every year? Probably more than speeding. By thousands of percent. It's 480,000 deaths. One in five deaths in this country is attributed to smoking. Yeah. And, but, but you'll say, well, hey, that's only endangering yourself, right? When you're out killing people on the road, you're endangering other people. No, 48,000 people are killed every year by secondhand smoke. And those people have no choice. Um, alcohol is attributed to 88,000 deaths and 2.5 million years of potential life lost through heart disease, cancer, right. liver failure, everything else. So why aren't we? I mean, obviously, the, the obvious answer is you don't want to drive the market underground and you don't, also don't want to lose the tax money because that is a lot of tax dollars from, um, you know, the sin taxes that you have on cigarettes, alcohol, et cetera. Anyway, yeah. I just wanted to I wanted to revisit this topic. OK, I think that it ties in really nicely with what we talked about, what motoring really means to people, which is friendship, camaraderie, culture. Um, I think it's an escape for people that's healthy. I think it does far more good than it does bad. Um, Devil's advocate here. You can have all of those things and still be driving the speed limit. You won't, though. You're not going to. No, you're, nobody's excited about building a motor in their garage, upping the displacement and throwing cams in their car with their buddies drinking beer if they can go drive that thing at 25 miles an hour <laughs> around their neighborhood. It ain't going to happen. It yeah. will not happen. I think the bottom line is this is an attack over the enthusiasm. And you're, yeah. No, it's an attack on driving in general. It really is. It really is one more notch in the belt of the people that want to take it away from you. If you think that there aren't people, like I said, that would take it away from you right now if they could, you're wrong. They would. They would take it away right now. Yeah, I probably don't disagree with that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to end on that note because that's really, really sad. What else can we talk about? <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, but, but the Volvo thing is pretty crazy that that uh, came out this week that they're limiting the cars to 112 miles per hour. Right. Even in the U.S. Mike, my, my, we found out that their, their performance cars are still going to be able to go faster. But that the made Polestar me star division. Yeah. The, the fast stuff, you know, like the cool ones, the hot motor ones. Right. But the thing is, is that those ones won't have a limiter, but the other ones will. But does that mean that the other ones are not safe above? Where do they get with the 112 mile an hour number anyway? Where did that number come from? I'm curious about that, too. Like, I know Joel, uh, Joel Fetter, who was on last week with Yo. the news, he says he's actually going to be looking into this a little bit. So next time he's in, maybe we'll hit him up for some info. Yeah, and, uh, I'm sure and they did some there. studies or something else. But oh, yeah, it did some studies. I'm sure they did <laughs> from their from their little cubicle in their little white Swedish Norwegian looking room with with natural wood and and everything. It else. sounds nice to me. Yeah, it sounds nice, except they're completely detached from reality. You know, pretty you might as well live in some Orwellian world where everything's fine. Nobody swears on television. 
You don't drive anywhere. You just go to and from your job. You come home, you sit on the floor, cross-legged with your wife, eat some like Cuba food that has 2000 calories in it <laughs> and go throughout your boring little life. But hey, you live till you're 98. So who cares? On that note, I think we're going to go. <laughs> We really appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Please stop over on uh, Patreon. And uh, if you want to get one of our exclusive episodes, we didn't even talk about this like we usually do. I know. Patreon.com slash Overcrest. You can get exclusive, exclusive content. Stuff. Yep. And uh, head over cool to iTunes. Swag. Leave us a five-star review with some words. We've been getting a lot of new reviews. And guys, the numbers and the stats keep going up. Please awesome. keep sharing with your friend. It really means a uh, friend. Well, hopefully you have more than one friend. <laughs> Share it with your friend. You know yeah, what, though? Friend. If everyone shared it with the one friend. We'd be all set. We'd be good to go. Yeah, that would be the that would be the <laughs> exponential growth. So share it need. with your friend. Share it with your one friend, you lonely <laughs> jerk. <laughs> Take care, guys. We'll see you next week.